Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast exclusive here on the Cycling Dane podcast. We are talking, well, it's on the rest day of the Vuelta España. It's been a very thrilling nine stages so far. I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audu Cycling and one third of another podcast, the Echelon Cycling Podcast. Obviously, we have our episode 32 dropping today as well. So check that out on YouTube if you haven't already. But I mean, yeah, Patrick, uh, the Vuelta España, one of these afterthoughts sometimes, but this year it's really delivered in terms of not only the the list of riders here, but also what we've seen in these first stages. Yeah, it's been a very unpredictable Vuelta so far, and that has certainly kind of added to the intrigue of kind of bringing viewers to the race. I know I've certainly been culprit in the past of not paying much attention to the Vuelta. And like you say, perhaps it is a little bit of an afterthought, but not this time around. I think, yeah, it's just been mental and unpredictable. And because of that, it's 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 kind of, it's bringing me back every day. I'm like, oh, you know, we've got this big GC fight. You know, everyone is still quite still in the race in terms of like a lot of the GC players. It's very close on GC. I think that things can still turn on its head. And even the sprints have been unpredictable in their own way. Even though Groves has been very dominant, we have had some kind of chaos in the sprints with some crashes and stuff, which has unfortunately taken some people out. But I think this first week has been very entertaining and we'll wait and see what happens in this latter part where there's a lot more difficult mountaintop finishes, which we'll get onto in a little bit. I mean, I think this is our first ever doing this. It's also... In a way, uh, my apologies for not making the recap yesterday. So uh, that as well, uh, British trainers, do I need to say more? But I think a good place to start is what you said as well, the top 10. Sepp Cruz leading the Vuelta Espana right now. Quite, yeah, a surprise wearer of that jersey. We didn't think that this was going to happen. I think both of us went for the Roglic-Remco angle. Uh, then you've got Mark Soler, 43 seconds down. Lenny Martinez, who wore the jersey early on in the week. A youngest rider, only 20 years old, to do that feat. But Remco Venepol managed to move himself up into fourth place. He's 2 minutes and 22 seconds down. Mikael Landa, Landissimo, is kind of alive. 2 minutes and 29 seconds down. Same time as Primoz Roglic, who's one place behind him in sixth place. Jonas Vingo finds himself... In 7th place, 2 minutes and 33 seconds down. Enric Mas in 8th place. And then Juan Ayuso and Joao Almeida round out the top 10. So, I mean, Patrick, yeah. What are kind of the surprises? Maybe the top 3 is a huge surprise for everyone. But, yeah, it's an interesting top 10. We're seeing kind of what we would expect to be some sort of top 10. But also, like you said earlier in our preview... This is such a stacked field. Like, Outerbrooks is not in there in the top 10. You've got Brutrago out of the top 10. You've got Rubio out of the top, outside the top 10. Blazov, crucially, as well. Uh, Gary Thomas, we'll get on to him as well. He's had a bit of a nightmare. But yeah, that top 10, it's, it paints quite a picture of, of the welter already. Absolutely does. And I think it's hard to say because some of those guys are in there because of success in the breakaways. But you can sometimes see these guys who go into the breakaway do pull out some really fantastic climbing performances. So even the kind of given of all oh, those kind of guys at the top will eventually filter their way down. 
I don't think it's an absolute given. I think, you know, we're seeing an outstanding performance from Mark Soler and, you know, Lander is very much under the radar as well. Sepp Kuss is arguably doing one of his best GC performances ever. And he's certainly something to be taken into consideration as well as a card that Jumbo Visma can play. And at the moment, it does kind of look like Jumbo Visma have quite a monopoly on the GC angle in this in this world tour. But I do think that like UAE do have free riders up there as well with Soler, Almeida and Ayuso. But I don't feel like anybody's fully, apart from Garrett Thomas, who has kind of suffered in other ways, nobody's really fully cracked yet. Like we haven't got rid of a real massive player in GC yet. Like usually you get to the end of the first week and it's, oh, we've lost X, Y, or Z, you know, usually in the tour, it's like Roglic has crashed out and he's lost two minutes. Like everybody's still quite close together. And I feel like the top 10 will remain relatively similar, but I would, I would quite like to see Ita Brooks. I think that he was looking very good, but perhaps some of these shorter climbs and these shorter efforts haven't suited him very well, but he did look really good on that stage, which Sepkus won. You know, he was only 15 seconds or so behind Roglic and Vingegaard, and he was up there with like a Yuzo and Almeida and Mass. So I think that he's still a player who could come into this when we get towards, you know, the longer climbs like a Tourmalet and an Anglery, which are still to come in this race. I mean, we might as well just keep the focus on Jumbo Visma. Obviously, the two juggernauts, the Giro Tyrone and this year's Tour de France winner, are part of that team, Jonas Vingo and uh Primoz Roglic they managed to get away from them on stage six I think everyone else not putting as much time as we would have thought when those two juggernauts were disappearing up the road but yeah I mean is this is it still in Yombo's hands they've got the red jersey not with the rider they probably were expecting but yeah do you still see them as the the strongest potential for winning this year's Vuelta Espana despite Remco Venepoel being ahead of both Primus Roglic and Bingo and being the better time trialist as well. That's coming up tomorrow, which is an interesting angle as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that hypothetically, I would say that given everyone being on good form, I think that Avenapool would be expected to put maybe 30 seconds to a minute, I'd say, between him and kind of rem uh him and Roglic and and Vingegaard roughly based upon what well, we got the kind of gauge in the Giro as to how much faster Remco was over flat terrain in a TT than Roglic in that uh, in like the first two time trials I think him versus Jonas is a little bit more unknown of course Rem uh, Jonas did that fantastic TT in the tour on stage 16 but this is a very different kettle of fish it's very flat I do think that Jumbo still have dominance over this race. I think that Sepkus is providing a bit of a joker card for them to be able to play, considering that his you know ability as a fully GC-focused rider is very much unknown, and I feel like it's something which Jumbo have never fully exploited, but I feel like maybe they're looking down that avenue right now because, like you say, Remco is, at the moment, ahead of the two juggernauts of Roglic and Jonas, but he isn't ahead of Sepp Kuss and maybe we're already sort of writing Kuss off as oh he will be a domestique and he'll get dropped and he will you know fall down the pecking order but it's very possible that Sepp could still hold on to a very strong GC performance and could be a bit of a kryptonite towards Avenapool. I think the problem that other teams have towards 
uh, Jumbo Visma is that how do you crack them? Because UAE, no offense to them, they don't seem like a particularly cohesive unit in terms of they don't seem fully invested on a Yuzo. They've still got Almeida and Soler, and they don't seem to drill it on the front for a Yuzo to try and do something. You know, they did that early on, but they just seem a little bit disjointed in their approach sometimes. The only guy who seems to be able to want to put pressure on them is Remco, but he doesn't have the team strength to be able to do it. You know, he has to go and work on the front himself. So it's very hard for Jumbo Visma to become under pressure and to get the kind of exploit the chinks in their armor because there isn't the team there to really try and do that. So, so long as that remains the case, Jumbo Visma will likely remain in control of this race, unless somebody like a Remco or an Ayuso can just really try and put in a big all-out effort on one of these kind of more monstrous climbs to just, you know, try and forge the gap open mano a mano, but it's very much easier said than done to try and drop Primoz Roglic and Jonas Vingegaard up some of the best climbs, considering that they are the best riders, um, potentially in the world in terms of GC riders, you know, or, I know Pogacar's not here, but I'm not sure how you beat Jumbo Visma. I think they've really got a bit of a stranglehold on this race. Are you hoping, well, maybe other teams are hoping that the welfare organization is going to take them out. I mean, we've spoken about that quite a lot. It's been quite dangerous racing at yeah. some points. But yeah, I completely agree with what you said. It's it's not exactly an easy prospect. But do you think Jonas Vingor is on full form? Because he doesn't seem like he's as strong as the Tour de France. There was murmurs about his form not being completely... Uh, near the peak before the well turn yeah it looks like he's kind of well willing to ride in support of Primus Roglic and not for his own chances yeah he does seem to be sitting in front of Roglic in the mountain train and I think you're right I don't, I'm not sure this is full firing Jonas it's not the Jonas that we saw at the tour I heard something about how post tour he was having to do all kind of you know the post post-tour kind of media and crits and all this stuff and therefore he didn't get time for an altitude camp or as long at altitude as required and that is pretty much like the name of the game you know like everybody lives up on top of freaking teed right now pretty much that's the way that the peloton works so i feel like maybe his preparation wasn't as good as some of the other riders like like Remco or Roglic or Ayuso. So I don't think this is full flight Jonas, which is making things a little bit more interesting because I feel like if it was full flight Jonas, this race would, you know, we'd get to, like, it's still possible this happens, but everyone would be like, well, this is all cool and all, but we're going to get to the tourmalade and Jonas is going to go and put a minute into everyone because he would literally just dominate it. But the fact that he isn't, at top flight form I think actually makes this a bit more of an entertaining race and a bit more open and it sounds a little bit cynical I'm quite happy that's the case because at least this might provide a little bit more entertainment from the racing standpoint and it won't just mean that it's a landslide victory like we saw in the tour might be a little bit closer and a little bit more tactical so yeah I don't think Jonas is on full form but I still I don't think that means that he's going to do badly by any means because it's Jonas Vingegaard at the end of the day I mean, we, we shouldn't just make this a Jumbo Visma podcast, but uh, in terms of UAE Team Emirates as well, um, yeah, you, you came out with that depressing statistic. If Jonas and 
and Roglic finish first or second, third or whatever, uh, both of them on the podium, and then Ayuso Almeida finish on that third step, then eight out of the nine Grand Tours have been podiumed by these two teams. And I mean, yeah, do you think they are going to be on the podium? Juan Ayuso, I mean, it it is a high, more stacked field, like we said as well. So the level's higher, but he's increased his level as well. Almeida, Mark Soler, you said they don't really ride as a team team, but yeah. Do you, do you see them finishing on the podium here? Or is it Remco? I, I think that it's currently between Ayuso and Remco for that kind of third spot, given the climbing that we've seen so far. I would actually, I'd give the edge to Roglic at the moment for kind of best, and then Yona second, given that they just rode away from everyone else, but Ayuso seems to be a little bit more consistent this year. And I think that Remco has his hot and cold days where he can really kind of blow it out of the water and kind of put everyone to the sword on one day, but then he can, you know, lose 30 seconds the next. And it's very hard to guess what kind of Remco you're going to get. But I do think that if I was to put it kind of just on legs, I would edge it slightly towards Remco. I think that the TT will help him out a, a big amount. Of, you know, he could put... I know Yuzo stepped up his TT and UAE in general in their, their TT performances this year, but I do think that Remco is still, you know, the, the odds on favourite to probably put quite a bit of time, like almost a minute into a Yuzo possibly, even though a Yuzo did win that Tour de Suisse TT against Remco, but that was a lot hillier and a lot different a different course. So I would say it's between a Yuzo and Remco, but at the moment, given the way that Remco's riding, I, I quite like his chances more than a Yuzo's of finishing on the podium, personally. Especially when you consider that Remco did beat a Yuzo last year, pretty fair and square at the Vuelta. I'd be willing to back that horse uh, a bit more. But yeah, so maybe Remco could be the only guy who could make this seven places out of nine for Yuma Visma and UAE Team Emirates combined over the three Grand Tours, which still doesn't make it the most, you know, optimistic statistic going into kind of next year and the prospect of a you know a non-dominant cycling future but it's a start i mean uh yeah having yombo visma win all the free grand tours is something i can't really recall any team doing uh we had like was it Froome one at one point he had the Tour de France, the Welter, and then he won the Giro. So in a way, they were holding all three of them. But yeah, it's quite a unique achievement. Um, But in terms of Ineos, we might as well go there. Uh, Garen Thomas, obviously, well, he's such a charismatic personality. And hearing him live as well at a cycling exhibition, uh, it was quite... He, he is quite a funny character, which is nice, but... Yeah, it's it's not been a great Welter Espana for him or the team. Aronsman crashing out as well. Lawrence de Plus crashing out on the first stage. I mean, yeah, uh, Egan Bernal is nowhere in the GC as well. But yeah, what are they doing here in terms? Of, I mean, that sounds harsh, but Ghana has been the only really fresh the result for them really with that top top second place on a sprint stage. I think in terms of expectation versus outcome Ineos are probably very far down the list because they have had a, a pretty disastrous Vuelta which is largely due to 
crashes probably outside of their control, which is very unfortunate to see. I think that G would have, you know, been a, a definite top five contender more than likely. And yeah, that was a bit of a shame. Even if he was not hadn't crashed, he'd be also a very strong contender for the TT, I think, as well. Maybe like a top three there. Ganna's doing like his own thing in the sprints, but they don't really have any other ruler support. Garant also lost a Rensman and De Plus, like you said, which are two important mountain domestiques, so he's pretty much isolated whenever they get to a mountain. And I think that has kind of like dawned on Ineos Grenadiers now that perhaps this is not going to be a very easy Vuelta for them to salvage. But I think that I heard somewhere that Garant Thomas is thinking of probably going for stages now, which makes a lot of sense. I think he's 25th on GC, something like eight minutes down, maybe a little bit more. I can't exactly remember. But I think that that probably makes the most sense. I think that that'll be quite cool to see Garant go into a breakaway. You know, it's very not very often that we see him winning a Grand Tour stage. You know, we, he got close in the Giro this year, but I think before then it was the the Tour of 2018 that he probably won his last Grand Tour stage when I'm sure people in the comments will correct me if I'm wrong there. But it's been a long time since I've seen Garant Thomas win a Grand Tour stage. And I think that would be a cool story to, to come out of this Vuelta. You know, we've had some very cool victors this this week, including Jeffrey Soup, that was a very interesting one. Kind of came out of nowhere, and also Leonard Kemner won his his Vuelta stage win to complete his trifecta. So maybe Garrett Thomas might try and join that group of kind of unexpected stage winners at this year's Vuelta to try and help Ineos Grenadiers salvage their their Grand Tour. Because you know, other than Ghana, maybe winning a stage and a sprint, I don't really see it coming from anywhere else in their team because they've been hampered so much by crashes. Uh, I will say you are correct. I just looked it up. Garen Thomas, last time he won a Grand Tour stage was in in Alpes so that iconic one. But uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not been great. Obviously, they would want the podium. Uh, Garen Thomas winning a welter stage would be incredible. His second ever appearance, we spoke about that in the preview as well. But in terms of some of the other more outsiders, the youngsters, you know, both of them twenty, Alto Brooks and Lenny Martinez. How did you? How do have you seen that welter Spaniard so far? Lenny Martinez doing that historic feat of wearing the jersey, which was phenomenal. I think that they've both been performing really well. Obviously, Lenny taking the red jersey has sort of taken the limelight of the kind of the youngster making the biggest waves in this year's world. So, but I still think that Ice Brooks is having a very solid race so far considering again this is his Grand Tour debut as well. So I think there's more to come from from both of them, especially Ita Brooks. I think that, you know, Lenny has shown, you know, that he is a very good climber. I think they're both on a, a relatively similar level in terms of their climbing ability. And, you know, we saw that when Lenny got dropped on stage eight, I want to say the kind of round passing Humana stage, they pretty much finished, you know, together. So I think that, you know, those two will probably finish about in the same place in GC. At the moment, it's looking like they could be fighting for a top 10 place in GC. You know, it's still, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with all these breakaway riders like your Solaires, your Landers, Wattpools, etc., who are, kind of still occupying the top 10 places i think that once we get up a tourmalay things are really going to sort of weave themselves out and create a bit more of an order in terms of gc because you know we have we don't really have like a you know the gc isn't entirely representative of what the final gc will be at the moment i think that we do need a big climb to really try and kind of 
readdress what the what the order is you have to kind of pick your way through and be like oh maybe this person still hangs on maybe this person doesn't but i think that i'm looking forward to seeing what Ida brooks and and lenny martinez are going to be doing i do think that you know that they are both doing an incredibly good ride i yeah i i just i don't know it's just so hard for them to really perform when you've got such stacked talent here like i would love to see them been able to finish higher up in gc but it's just going to be so hard for them to do but Still, they're they're usually always there in that final kind of selection of GC riders. So I think they're doing a really good ride. And so long as they stay upright, I reckon they could finish top 10. Yeah, for anyone listening, Patrick just crossed his fingers. <laughs> oh, yeah, um... I forget this is, this is audio. <laughs> Oops. But, I mean, yeah, we might as well, before we finish, do some predictions. You had a very legendary prediction for no reason. Remy, uh, Roman Gregoire winning stage two didn't quite happen. No, but uh, we also got the red jersey wrong <laughs> as well in terms of who would gonna uh-huh. wear it at their first rest day. But yeah, we might as well start with that. Who do you think is gonna be wearing the red jersey for our next uh, podcast exclusive rest day in a week's time? I'm just seeing. So we've got the Tourmalet in this next week. So I think that this will be the week where the GC finally organizes itself into the kind of true list. But you know what? Given just how well he's climbing, I know I said something different on the Echelon Cycling Podcast, but I I think that Seb Kuss could hang on to Red for another for until the next week. I I I think that, that could be a possibility. Why would Jumbo Visma? be setting pace or anything to try and drop Seth Cusp when they've already got the, the red jersey. That doesn't make that much sense. So I think that it, it'll, it'll be all on UAE and Remco basically to try and set pace to try and drop Seth Cusp. And, you know, he looks pretty unshakable at points. So I think that maybe Seth Cusp could hold it until the next week. Yeah, um, I would love to see Jonas Vingo in, in the red jersey, but uh, that, that thought is kind of fleeting away. I'm going to say Primus Roglic, so I'm going Jumbo Visma as well. Who do you think is going to win the Tourmalet and the stage? Obviously, you can't win the mountain, but in terms of the stage and the time trial as well. We both said Remco, I think, at some point somewhere. Uh, are you sticking with Remco? I'll, yeah. I'm going to say Filippo Ghana because I want Ineos to get something out of this. Yeah, that's fair. Tourmalet stage is is difficult. I feel like the logical choice is is Primoz, but I want to go with something different. I am going to say that I think let's go with a Yuzo. I think a Yuzo will win up Tourmalet. That's my it's a slightly hotter take, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm. I think it might go for a breakaway. To be honest, the way they've been oh. racing, potentially. I don't know. Um, very possible. Maybe there's a mudslide again or something. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Leonard Kevner wins it again. Uh, okay. I'm gonna go for why not? I'll go for Colombian. I'll go for Rubio. Maybe he'll take it. I don't think he will. But uh, yeah. Who do you think's gonna? Hmm. Wear it well. Do you, who's going to wear the Mantis jersey? I think that's quite a good one because uh, Sepulveda he's only got a one point advantage to Remco Venable right now. Yeah, I'm just looking at the next week, I feel like it's going to be if you get 
you get into the break on that tourmalade stage or no, the day after will be key. I want to go with something like I'll go with Bardet, I think. I think DSM oh. again, he's kind of dropped out of GC. I think that, you know, he could uh, uh, yeah, I think Bardet, DSM needs something out of this race. So I'll go with him. Okay, why not? I'll follow the same path. Geraint Thomas. <laughs> nice. I would like to Copies. see that. Carapace, come on, do a Carapace. Yeah. Carapace dropped out and then he took three stage wins and the Mansus jersey. Yeah. If you're listening, Geraint, I'm probably not. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's basically it for our podcast exclusive here of the rest day. Well, it's Spanish 2023. Of course, make sure to follow Patrick over on Twitter at Patrick. Well, what is it, Patrick? It's at Paddy Blake, but with an extra E on the end, something like that. Yeah, or just go yeah, to I, the, I cycling day, the cycling day in Twitter page and you'll you'll see Patrick's yeah, you'll find name all over there. But uh, yeah, also make sure to check out the Echelon Cycling Podcast. I know it's kind of a crime to promote another podcast on a podcast. But uh, yeah, until next week, we're also doing the recap race analysis every single day when I'm not going on a train. Uh, that'll be late. And uh, we'll also do some uh, live co- streams as well. So make sure yeah. to join us for that. But uh, yeah, that's basically it for us. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, as always, have a nice day.